And we're on Tales of a First Time Dad, episode number three, talking all about bringing my son Leo home for the first time. Can't wait to tell you all about this and my first days as a dad. But before we do get into the podcast, like always, if you are listening, audio, don't forget to leave a rating on the podcast. That's been helping us out loads, pushing us into loads of new countries. Reached India this week, so that that's mad. Like the amount of countries of and people who are listening to the podcast blow on my mind every single time I check it. So thank you to each and every one of you who've liked the podcast, shared the podcast, told people to listen to the podcast. It's honestly like I'm struggling to put it into words really how much it means to me that so many people are intrigued by our story and and the tales of becoming a dad. So thank you so much for that. If you are watching on YouTube, you will see it a little bit differently this week. I've decided to just put the artwork of the podcast as the video so that YouTube is still able to listen to the podcast, but you haven't got to stare at my mug for like an hour because he wants to just stare looking at me talking for like an hour. So I've just put the artwork on. When we do have guests, it will be... Uh, cameras back on and visual side so you can see us talking to guests and stuff but i feel like if you do listen on youtube you're not really bothered about staring at me for an hour uh, and i wouldn't put anyone through that so we have just put the artwork on the video overlay um so you can still listen to it on youtube and if you are listening audio please do go over to youtube and subscribe to the channel tales of a first time dad and like the videos on there as well the youtube algorithm means the more people that subscribe and like the video it pushes her into more people's recommended videos, so it helps the podcast out really, really well, to be honest. The same as where, what people are doing with the audio side. We're getting loads of ratings, loads of interactions. If you can just do that for me on the YouTube side as well, it'd mean the world. And also, don't forget, like I said on the last podcast, to go over to our TikTok. Videos are getting like 10,000 views and stuff like that. I didn't expect that much love over on TikTok at all. I've never used TikTok before, so I'm quite blown away by that, to be honest with you, how many people have interacted with the podcast and like the videos of little clips and stuff so do go over to that if you are a tiktok user tells of a first time dad and i'm also on tiktok going to be posting a lot more um like little how-to guides and, and stuff i've learned so from like bottle warmers and stuff like that like how to use them what i think of them just little like one minute short clips so that if you are a new parent you can watch them and think oh i might go and buy one of them they're they're really good and, and it looks so easy on the video and I'm going to try and inform people of good little gadgets and stuff that have helped us along the way. So it's not just going to be clips of the podcast over on TikTok. It's going to be like little little videos of things we do and also like little tips and tricks and stuff that I've learned um, over the, the past six weeks of being a dad. And hopefully that can help more people with stuff to buy because we've bought some pointless stuff uh, and then so i'm only going to talk about the good stuff on tiktok so basically if you're thinking well, what do i buy about to have a kid you can just head over to our tiktok and see all the gadgets that i recommend so um don't forget to to go and sub so follow us subscribe whatever it's called on tiktok over there all the links to our socials are in the description of the podcast whether it be on youtube spotify google podcasts apple music if you look at the description every link to all our socials is listed there so just do go over follow us on socials tiktok instagram and all that good stuff but yeah let's get into episode number three uh, of bringing leo home and it was honestly the best day in my life to be honest if you bringing leo home was was the most heartwarming thing that's ever happened to me in life and um, obviously having him born was amazing but as we said in the last pod it was very traumatic, so, and we missed out on loads of firsts, like he didn't get to cut his cord, didn't get to see him when he was born, and things like that, so bringing him home was like our first first in the hospital really, as well as getting him weighed for the first time, and the feeling was amazing, like, we did have to wait two days to bring him home, so we come home on the Tuesday, 
which was the 13th, the 14th of November. So it was like 48 hours after he was born that we was allowed to come home. Um, and that was not, not for anything like with Leo, it was more Soph. Um, obviously because of the complications with, with uh, C-section and, and like the blood transfusions and stuff like that. We just had to be in hospital a little bit longer so Soph could be observed and make sure she was fully okay before we left, which I would have preferred, to be honest. I didn't want to rush home and then end up back in hospital. I mean, we end up back in the hospital anyway, which we'll get into, but I didn't want to just rush home and Soph not be well enough and stuff like that. And at the end of the day, when you're in the hospital, you've got the best care in the world with the NHS looking after my wife. So that was important to me, um, even though I did have to sleep on the floor for two days, which was proper grim and literally sitting in a care and in a bay for 48 hours, it, it proper drains you mentally, but it was worth it to know that that sofa was okay. Um, so we were just waiting. By the Tuesday, we were both fed up and we were just like, oh, we really want to go home. Um, and the midwife came round and was like, we're just doing your discharge notes, getting Soph's medication ready and you just can go today. And that feeling and knowing that Leo was coming home for the first time, my heart just started racing. It was, it was amazing. Um, obviously, when I first went up to the hospital, I got took up by my dad because the emotions of knowing we were about to have a baby, I just didn't feel safe to drive. So my car weren't at the hospital. So my dad picked me up and, and brought me home and I was able to just clean the house up a little bit and then drive back to the hospital to get Soph and Leo. And that drive back to the hospital was amazing, knowing that the next time I leave this hospital or the next time I drive my car, so to speak, my son was going to be in the back. And I, was, I remember just driving back to the hospital with a big, massive smile on my face, like, oh, my God, he's, he's finally coming home. He, everything's okay. Soph's okay. The baby's okay. Both healthy, both happy, and we're, we're coming home. And I remember that feeling of just being... It was amazing. It really was. After having such a traumatic time with the labour and, and everything else that come with it, this was probably the first time where the um, real emotion was just sheer happiness at something that was happening for us because everything else was just stress and complications and, and things. So that emotion of, right, we're coming home and knowing that we were coming home and didn't have any... Comp so we've come home on a lot of medication, which we'll get to in a minute, but the fact we were coming home and we'd be in the comfort of our own home and we could begin to start our life as a family, that, that feeling's unmatched, really. Like, it's one of the best days of your life, bringing your child home. And I, I remember my heart just racing when I parked the car up and was walking back into the hospital with this empty car seat, knowing that in literally 20 minutes, it'd be Leo in the car seat and we'd be going home. It was it was amazing. It really was amazing. Um, so we've got discharged on... A lot of tablets, really. She had to have leg injections every single day for 10 days that I had to do for her. I, the midwives were made up, to be honest, because obviously, given my job, I'm, I'm medication trained um, and I'm like sergeant major with medication because that's been drilled into me in my career. So I was like that with Soph and she was dreading it, knowing that I was going to be in charge for medication. Um, we had to give leg injections. She was on all sorts of painkillers on blood pressure tablets, iron tablets, like literally so many tablets that she was on. But we were home. That was the important thing. We could continue to give this medication at home. And so felt comfortable enough for me to administer that rather than try and stay in the hospital and know the nurses were doing it because she knew that at home she had me who, who could administer medication and know how to do it correctly and stuff. So that was a... That was a lot quite reassuring for Soph, knowing that she had someone who knew what he was doing. So there was no worry about going home with all this medication. Like, oh my God, what do I do? 
Um, but the midwives are fantastic. They explained everything for us. They wrote it all on boxes for us, telling us what times to take them f and to follow it and stuff. So then when we got home, we just mirrored that onto like the fridge. I made a, a March art. And um, for those who don't know what March art is, it's a medical administration record. And that's what you use to administer medication in health and social care and in hospitals and stuff. And I made one of them just because that's what I've been trained to use. It didn't need one, but for me, it just allowed me to follow SOS medication and ensure that she was getting all the right dosages at the right time and the right medications and stuff like that. So it wasn't really stressful because it just felt like I was in work, to be honest. It felt like I didn't I didn't get the time off because um, I was still worried about medication, but I wouldn't have had it any other way just, just to have come home when we did. Two days was was very long in the hospital, um, but coming home was, was amazing. And obviously when we left the hospital, we had all the, the thoughts of he's going to meet Virgil for the first time. For any new listeners to the podcast, Virgil is my dog. Got a little French bulldog. Most amazing bundle of joy ever. And he's boss with the baby, spoiler alert. Um, but Virgil was staying in Sophie's mum's when we went into labour because we didn't know how long we'd be there. And she absolutely adores the dog. Like, literally adores the dog. So she minded Virgil from when we went in on the Friday. Uh, so we had to go and pick Virgil up from her mum's on the way home. Uh, and that was obviously when when Leo first met Virgil and, and stuff. And when we got to Sophie's mum's, it was it was really warming to know that like the, we were straight away showing him like his nan's house, and he he got to meet his great nan as well, which was a big thing for me. And I know for Sophie, Sophie's best friends and nan, like my nan was my best friend, and I was so thankful that Leo was able to to have a great nan because both of my nans have sadly passed away. So the fact that Leo can still have some of his life with not just one great nan, two great nans, because both of Sophie's nans are fortunately still with us. So he's got growing up with two great nans, which is fantastic for him. Uh, and then obviously we, so we went to Sophie's mum's and he met his great nan, Mary, and that was so nice to see. He'd obviously met um, Sophie's mum and dad in the hospital the day he was born, uh, and they got to have a hold of him again, which which was nice to see them holding Leo in their own house rather than in a hospital with a million and one things happening in the background and having that relaxed atmosphere. Um, but meeting Sophie's nan was was really, really heartwarming for me, to be honest, and seeing how made up she was. And uh, obviously I was sat there at times thinking like, I wish my nan could have met him, but it was still very, very warm and to me that he was able to meet a great nan and, and be able to spend like time with, with her, which is amazing. And she absolutely loves him she's always coming around to see him and it, it just fills me up with so much love and warmth that he's got such a loving family outside of me and sophie on, on both sides of us so he met his great nan um and then obviously he met he met virgil um i wasn't i wasn't worried about him meeting virgil when when everyone was saying to us, oh, wow, how do you think the dog's gonna be? How do you think the dog's gonna be? Because Virgil is is wild. He's four, just turned four, Virgil, and he has still not calmed down. He's just as wild as he was as a puppy, but he's not like a nasty wild. He's a really loving, gentle dog. To be honest, he's just excitable, and when you fuss with him, obviously he gets wild. But that's just a dog. He's like a little puppy, even though he's four. And it's it was just boss. Like when we first went in, obviously Virgil was extremely excited that he hadn't seen me and Sophie since Friday didn't really know what was going on because we left to go to the doctors and he never seen us when he got picked up from the house to go to Sophie's mum's it was Sophie's dad who picked him up so I think Virgil was probably a little bit confused thinking well 
where's where's my mum and dad basically like they left and they haven't come back and i've been talking to my nans and and all stuff like that um so when when we opened the door he was made up to see us as always ran straight past soph to me um that's just what he always does i'm his little best mate and i had hold of the baby so i wanted the first interaction of virgil and leo to be when no one's overshadowing it and being like, ooh, 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 I'm panicking. So everyone was in the living room and I put the um, the, the car seat down on the floor and Virgil put both his paws on the side of the, the car seat and just proper had a little sniff. I kept all the Virgil because I didn't want him to lick Leo or give him a kiss or anything like that. Just till he's had his needles, really, just more for Leo's own health and well-being. Um, because obviously dogs do lick a lot of things. I'm not one of them dog owners who doesn't let me dog lick me. He's my dog, he can lick me, and he will be able to lick Leo once he's vaccinated and fully vaccinated. Um, and he has he's, he's done a good job of staying away from him, to be honest with you, in the first few weeks. And that might be controversial. We were saying, oh, you shouldn't let your dog that close to your baby, but the dog's always with us. He's never left alone with the baby. So if he wants to give him a little sniff and a lick when he's had his, his needles, I've got absolutely no problem with that because at the end of the day, the dog, needs to be comfortable with the baby and vice versa i grew up scared of dogs so for me it's so important that leo grows up liking dogs in my opinion like we'll always have a dog at home and so far touch wood six weeks in it's been absolutely fantastic but that first meeting virgil was so excited and like obviously when he had sniffed the baby and, and got his scent we had sent a baby grow home with so's mum and dad the first day that they met leo they took a baby grow home that leo had been in so just so the dog could could smell his scent and stuff and he was apparently walking around so's mum's with the baby going in his mouth wouldn't let anyone near it like he was proud like this is mine this is my brother and i'm so proud of it which was adorable when we found that out and when he come away from the baby, he just looked at me and smiled. And it was, honest to God, I've never felt a feeling like that. I couldn't even explain. Knowing the dog was happy and we were straight away at that moment. I weren't worried about him anyway. But at that moment, I was like, he's going to love this baby. He is going to absolutely adore him and cherish him. And from that smile, and Virgil's very... I'm not going to say he's very emotional, but he speaks with his smiles. So if he's happy, he will give you the biggest smile in the world and you know he's okay and he accepts things if, he, if he's got this big smile and he had this big smile. And then he not bothered. Then he ran into the living room because he wanted to see Sofa and give Sofa loads of kisses, which because he hadn't... Sofa had been getting, like, feeling quite a bit nauseous towards the end of pregnancy. So the dog was trying to, like, lick her and stuff towards the end. And it was knocking a six so she, she couldn't and obviously he couldn't crawl up her belly and stuff because it, it had leo in it and and things like that so the dog was made up jumped on the couch and so for this go come here verge and he just ah he just went mad then because he knew he could give her a kiss again and it was it was such a lovely day to just come home and after that interaction with the dog while at the same time the baby was obviously meeting meeting his great nan meet, and spending time with his nan and granddad in the home we could fuss with virgil and it was just it was amazing. It really was amazing. It just filled me with so much warmth and happiness. And it was just probably one of the best days of my life, to be honest with you. Um, even though we literally came home from a hospital, went to Sophie's mum's and come back to our house, it genuinely probably was one of the best days of my life just for how it made me feel inside. It was it was fantastic. And obviously we left Sophie's mum's and come home. So we had Virgil with us and the baby with us and we were we were coming home to the house we hadn't so obviously hadn't been home since friday uh, and it was just getting back to the house and being able to to spend time with 
just us three with the dog as a family, like us four, and with without nurses constantly coming and asking if you're okay, and you could just settle and just get used to life as a parent. Really, it was one of the, one of my most favourite and cherished nights in my life, honestly. And we got home and. Virgil was still like sniffing around the car seats and sniffing around Leo and just kept smiling. And it was adorable because Soph passed me, like Soph had hold of the baby and then I went and picked them up while Soph could go upstairs with the toilet and stuff. And as I held them, Virgil come and sat right between my legs and just kept looking up. And it was sort of like, I'm going to protect him. I'm going to guard him at all times. And he has since then, literally every time we've had visitors around and holding the baby, Virgil will go and sit next to whatever visitor and just, just stares at them, making sure that they're, handling the baby as well as he wants them to really not that he'd ever snap at anyone it was just more in his head he, he's a god dog he's protecting him he's the, he's a little frenchy he wouldn't he, he literally wouldn't do nothing but in his head he was protecting the baby and it's it's amazing to see and that relationship went from strength to strength like when leo's sat in his little chair in the living room virgil lies next to him just staring at him and stuff wherever we go upstairs to change leo virgil follows he's honestly like his little shadow and I can't wait till Leo's obviously a little bit older and can like walk and crawl and stuff because I just know they're going to have loads of fun together and you can see Verge can't wait as well. And it was the, the first day when we got home, what broke me heart is so before we had went and had the baby, Verge just started putting some of his toys in Leo's room, like carrying them in and leaving them and running out. And when we come home, Verge got one of his toys and it's probably one of his favourite toys. It's like a... Like a tube of Pringles, but a, a squishy toy for dogs. He brought it over and like put it by me, the side of me, because I was holding Leo. And then like nudged it with his head to be like, this is for him. And then just started smiling and it proper broke my ass because I was like, this dog is, he's not, he's not a dog. He's like a human. Uh, how he feels. It was the fact he was just instantly like, we'll share our toys and, and give it to him. It was, it was amazing. But obviously Virgil's getting a bit annoyed that he can't share Leo's toys because otherwise he'd rip them to shreds um so he's just like sailed on his head when he was playing with sensory stuff and and now and and he can't have a little chew of it but he, he's boss because he keeps trying to share his toys with leo and it's so nice to see honestly that that relationship is going from strength to strength over the first few weeks and everyone but me and sofa worried we knew he'd be fine so it's so good that he's proved everyone wrong that he's completely and utterly fine with the baby and Oh, it's that every day seeing them together, it it just fills me heart with so much joy. It was amazing. Um, but when we first came home, I walked Leo upstairs and shown him around his bedroom. Now people might sit there and think he can't even see colours, never mind the bedroom. But for me, it was important. I'd read things online saying, like, make sure you show them around the room often. I mean, Leo gets changed every morning in his bedroom and things but like what they said like make sure you show them this is your room just so they get used to it and they hear that noise the noises and the you know the sounds of the room and, and things like that so but for me it was more like the pride of taking him upstairs because we had done his room and being like this is your bedroom leo uh, and knowing that that's like his room potentially forever i like, can never see me and Soph moving so just showing him it and and stuff and then like walking around the house giving him like a toy even though we didn't have a clue what was going on for me, it was like the pride of showing me son round his first home where he was going to grow up and, and start his life. And that was amazing. Like People may sit there and think, you are a Wally showing a two-day-old baby around your house. But for me, it was a nice feeling to do that. So it's one of the best things that I've done, really. Being like, this is your room. This is daddy's office. This is downstairs. It was stupid, but honestly, amazing. And then my brother came round. 
um, because he had went and picked up the dog food for us while we was in hospital um, so that we had food in Soap's mum. So we came out with the dog food and came in to see him and he was made up, absolutely made up. My brother's got, but with his fiance, they've got two um, nieces on her side and then my little sister's got a girl. So this was my brother's first nephew and he is over the moon, proper over the moon, straight away, couldn't wait to talk about taking the match and stuff. He's as bad as me for football. So it was it was a really good that one of the first people to see him at home was my brother. Um, my brother's like one of my best mates, in all honesty. He's more than just a brother to me. We are really close. We go to match together all the time. And I just him being with Leo and seeing my brother holding him, that was... It was an amazing feeling for me, um, seeing my brother with him. He was my best man at my wedding and stuff. Like we were very, very close. So seeing him with with my son, it doesn't get better than that, really. Like I, I even just get a bit emotional talking about it. It was, it was one of the best feelings ever. Um, and that all happened in the first day, which is mad. We had quite a busy first day of coming home, and then the days that followed just went downhill yet again. Me and Soph don't get anything the easy way in life. Um, so the next day, which was the Wednesday, obviously the midwife comes around um, to meet the baby, weighs him and stuff, and they go from there. Now, because Leo was a C-section baby, we got told that he would lose a bit of weight because they had to clear the mucus from the chest because as a baby's getting pushed out a natural way, they clear the mucus in the chest that is in them from being inside the womb. But C-section babies are unable to do that because they're just took out. Um, so the first few days of Leo being born, he was like bringing up a lot of bile and mucus and stuff, which is completely normal for a C-section baby. Um, so then the midwife came round on the Wednesday and weighed him and he was £7. And obviously he was born at £7.13. So we'd lost 13 ounces in three days, which... The hospital told us was fine, um, but the midwife was concerned. So put him on a four-day weighing checkup. So every four days, we had midwives coming to the house to weigh Leo to see he was putting weight on. Uh, and thankfully, we only had two of them, and he had put enough weight on. He got back to up. He was £8 when they discharged him from that four-day weighing thing. But obviously, here coming round that Wednesday, it was so, so scary because it was... I was walking the dog when she came because the dog was very excited, obviously. Loads of people been coming to the house to see the baby. Usually when people come to the house, they fuss over Verge, but they're now fussing over a baby. So it, it was about getting that balance right with Verge. Like, people will come round, but you're still just as loved as you was before the baby came. You haven't been replaced and stuff like that. So when the midwife came round on the Wednesday, Soph's mum and Nan was here. So I decided to take Virgil for a walk and just to get him out the house, tire him out a bit so that when he came back to the house, if the midwife was still there, he'd sleep. Anyway, halfway through the walk, Soph rings me and says, you need to come home, we need to go to A&E. And I was like, what? And she was like, yeah, um, Leo's mouth's really blue and the midwife is concerned about his jaundice levels. Now... I weren't concerned about his jaundice levels. And I think that instinct of, you know, your son better than anyone. Yeah, he was only three days old, but I knew he didn't have jaundice. That was concerning. Um, I've seen my sister's baby, friends' babies and stuff have jaundice. And often to, my sister had to stick her baby in the window quite often to, to help with it. But Leo didn't look remotely like he had any jaundice. He had a little tiny bit of yellow in his eye, but not enough to go to A&E, in my opinion. 
Uh, and obviously, the, but the blue round his mouth was really concerning because that is oxygen levels. Um, so I ran home with the dog. The dog was knackered at this point because we sprinted home. Uh, and I got home and the midwife had just left. And I said to Sophie, like, what, what's happened? She went, well, they've weighed him. He's lost 13 ounces, which they're concerned about. Um, but they've just put him on the four-day weigh-in. So that wasn't the concern. It was, she said, he's blue around his mouth and the jaundice. Now, me, myself, I just disregarded the jaundice because I was like, well, I don't think he is. Doesn't look very yellow to me. But the blue around his mouth, you could see it. It was on his top lip. It was really, really blue and quite prominent as well. So then we're putting Leo in the car. So mum and Nana, like, don't worry, don't worry, you'll be fine. I'm sure you'll be fine. But the thoughts going through your head are just, oh my God, we've only just came home. And he was completely fine in the hospital. And now his mouth's starting to turn blue. Like, oh my God, oh my God. Have we done something wrong? Like, it was the most terrifying thing that's ever happened to me in my life. But we went to Whiston Hospital anyway. Um, which for anyone who's local to Liverpool... Bit of advice for you, Whiston Hospital have an A&E specifically for children. So obviously if you go to Older A, <clears throat> which is one of the best children's hospitals in the world, I think it is probably the best in the UK if I'm not mistaken, um, that's chocker because it's one of the best. Everyone goes there. So when we got told Whiston A&E, I walked into just a normal A&E department, which for me was very tough. That was the last time I seen my nan a year ago. Um was going into that hospital into a and so it was tough going in because then i'm going back in and thinking more bad news like last time i was here i lost me nan now i'm here with with my son with a potentially oxygen problems like it's it was the most scariest thing in the world heart racing went up to the desk and they said oh go to the children's a and next door never knew it existed i walked in i don't think many people know it existed because there was two people there now and that's I'm not saying that's a bad thing that was only two people there because maybe like obviously be you don't want that to ever be full you want it to be empty that means that the children of the world are doing well and don't need a and e but i don't think people know about it so if you are local to liverpool uh wiston way height and prescott wiston hospital has a children's a and e so that's just a, if you ever have any problems with your own child i'd recommend going there the nurses were lovely but you get seen straight away because there's not a weight because there's not a big massive backlog now, hopefully this podcast doesn't blow up and everyone finds out about <laughs> Whiston's children's A&E and I ruin it for everyone. Uh, but when we did go, it, it was empty. And um, I know people who've been there themselves and said it's every time of day they've been, it's been empty. So fantastic that Whiston Hospital's got its own A&E and its own department specifically for children. I think it's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant idea. So your baby's not sat in A&E with getting sick off other people's sicknesses and stuff because obviously, as many people who listen to the podcast will know, a&E and hospitals in this country are rarely understaffed. There's not enough beds. The demand's so high. People are in the corridors. I'm not going to get into it on a podcast about being a dad, but everyone knows the crisis that the NHS is currently in due to Tory government. Um, I'm not going to keep my views out of this podcast on that, though. So we went into the A&E and got sore within five minutes. And the nurses done checks on Leo, Checked like his heart, his blood pressure, his breathing, um, the jaundice. They'd done a heel prick and said they weren't concerned about jaundice, um, but they'd do the heel prick anyway. So that was a bit of a relief, even though I weren't concerned going in, to hear it from a professional saying, no, we're not concerned either. That made 
me think, right, at least I know I was right about that. Because you want to learn things as you go as a dad. You want to know, like, the signs and know if, you're, if your child's okay. So me knowing that my me not being worried about John just was correct, it made me feel better rather than them going, no, we are concerned. And I'm like, oh, my God, I don't know my son. I didn't even think he was yellow sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? So they weren't worried about that. Um, but they, were, they went to get the paediatrician, which basically is a children's doctor. They specialise in children. And to come and look at his mouth and see what, what she thought. Um, so she came in about half an hour later. Obviously, that's while, while they're running through the results of like the scans and stuff they've done on, on his heart, his blood pressure and that. And then she came in and had a little look at him and said that he was absolutely fine. So that was a relief. Uh, we were there for like an hour, probably the most stressful hour of my life, bar labour. Thinking like, is my son going to be put on oxygen? Is he going to be kept in? going to be an home a day, all that feeling of coming home and we're going to be kept in because just a million things running through your head. Uh, but he was completely fine. Now, I wouldn't say if you had, if your child had similar to what Leo actually had at the time to just not go to A&E because obviously the best thing to do is to be checked. It could be that it's oxygen. I'm not going to sit here and say if he has blue around his mouth, it could be what was Leo because every baby's different. But what was with Leo was he just had more prominent veins in his mouth. That was it. They've went now. It just looks like a normal skin colour. But our friend, he's come out of, of the womb and stuff in his first few days. And obviously your veins and your body's still developing. His veins were just more prominent in his mouth, in his upper mouth. They were a lot more prominent than the rest of his body. But there was no cause for concern because it literally was just his veins. But if you looked at him and seen his blue mouth, then obviously that does cause concern. Um, so if you do ever see that, I'm not going to sit here and say, don't go to A&E, it might just be veins. 110 million percent get it checked out just because you can, it's best to be safe than sorry. And I was really happy that we did go to the hospital because it was a, like a day where we'd been on our own. We'd went to the hospital and found out he was still okay. There was no concerns really around the blue mouth. It was just veins. They weren't concerned about jaundice, but they were sending us blood tests off um, just to be sure. And then we moved on, moved on from that and went home. So then we had the whole feeling of going home again, um, which was, again, it was made up to, to go home and know that he was fine after that drive to the hospital. I was like, oh my God, is he going to be okay? Um, so it was just a proper up and down first 24 hours at home. The emotions of being at home, then going to hospital and and stuff, that was, that was really, really scary. Um, and then about three days after we were home, Soph um, starts to feel pain in the incision of a C-section and the midwife had, was out doing Leo's weighing and said that she was a bit worried that it, after they took the dressing off and stuff that it might be infected. So she took a sample of um round of the C-section wound, like a swab, to take to the doctor's within to be fair to our doctor within 20 minutes of her leaving the house he rang sophie and prescribed her 10 days worth of antibiotics to help with the infection whilst they done tests on the swab so sophie got put on antibiotics um for the incision because he was concerned that it was infected so then we had all that thinking and looking into that like i've always said on so on every episode of this podcast don't google stuff i haven't since, since all this but we were googling it and it was just saying like all these things that could potentially happen with a C-section still. Nothing was, we, we had, had basically the green light. 
infections can lead to this, that, and the other. And you're just like, oh my God, give us a break. Let us just have a nice few days without stress. Um, but as it, as it happened anyway, like four days after Soph taking the antibiotics, the swab results came back and it wasn't infected. It was just healing. And sometimes it heals where it does use a little bit of pus. Um, but again, if your partner has a C-section or if you are a woman listening to this and you do have a C-section, if you do see like discharge or pus coming out of your incision, I would recommend getting a check. Don't listen to my advice of, well, soaps was fine because the doctor put us on antibiotics immediately until they found out what actually, if it actually was infected, just to be a bit pr proactive and be better safe than sorry sort of thing. Um, so I would always recommend getting checked out. If you get your dressing removed and there is pus and a news and a little bit, and you and because so you get given like these um, cotton pads to put over it, and every single day she was bleeding through one or two of these cotton pads, but wasn't bleeding through her underwear, just bleeding through one or two of these cotton pads a day, which is normal. That's one thing I can say that is normal because that was really concerning. So bleeding through so many of these cotton pad things that was on an incision. Um, she was worried that she was losing too much blood and that something was wrong because she was still bleeding and obviously it's sewn up, but that's normal. The midwife told us that was normal. The doctors told us that was normal. When we went to the hospital with Leo, so fast them just checked it quick. They said it was normal. So if you do have a C-section and you are still bleeding a few days after, it, it more than likely is normal. But again, do get it checked out. Don't think, oh, well, Matty said on his podcast that it was normal. So we're not going to get it checked because I'd feel terrible if you didn't get it checked and it was worse than that. Um, but luckily for Soph, it weren't infected. So we were starting to get good news. Then, like, the baby had obviously been to hospital, got good news. We thought Soph was infected. It wasn't. That's good news. And since then, it's just went from strength to strength. After having such a a shit start, really, to, the, to life as a family with the emotions of labour and how stressful that was to so then staying in hospital for extra days, Soph being on all sorts of medication, Soph having like chances that more complications could happen and then the baby going to hospital, Soph potentially being infected. It was just so much stress day after day after day. But then once we got told that Soph's incision wasn't infected, it was like finally some good news. Like We know that that's healing well. Two days after we found that out, the baby then got discharged from his, his regular weighing. Because like I said, he had got up to £8, which was what he wants them to put on. And it was fantastic. We just, it seems like we had bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news. And then it was just everything started to elevate from there, really. But I mean, we've probably got that much bad news. Not much more could have really been bad. It, it was always going to be positive after that point. Um, and that was just our first few days. It, it was a lot of stress. A lot of up and down emotions, but it was like that from the minute Leo's been born. So our first say week as parents was very stressful, a roller coaster of emotions still. But he was home, he was safe, he was well, and so was Soph. And that was the main thing for us. We can deal with a few complications, we can deal with having to go to the hospital, we can deal with Soph having to take over the tablets, as long as they were both okay. And that was at the end of it, really. Like she was okay. But Speaking about my first few days as dad, that was tough. That was really tough, I'll be honest. I'm not going to sit here and say, it's a walk in the park. You'll be fine. It, it's easy. It's the best thing in the world. Don't get me wrong, it's the best thing in the world because everything you're doing, you know you're doing for your son and for your wife. But if you listen to this and your partner has just had a C-section or does have a C-section, an emergency C-section, 
has an elective C-section, just be prepared to be mum, dad, carer for your wife, everything in one, cleaner. You've got to do it all for the first few days. Like you really do have to do absolutely everything. Obviously, first few weeks even. Obviously, um, when they have a C-section, there's not much they can do. They shouldn't really be lifting any more than the weight of the baby. But even then, I wouldn't let your partner like bend over and pick your baby up out of a Moses basket out the cost. You should be the one to to pick them up out of the baskets and stuff and, and give them to your partner so that they aren't stressing the wound while it's healing and stuff and just allow them to, to heal and not really have the stress of being mum at the same time. It killed Soph that she couldn't do anything. She felt a bit worthless, to be honest, and that was hard for me to deal with, that so felt worthless, even though she had to not do anything. I was constantly moaning at her because she was like, I'm going to go and do some washing. I was like, Sophie, you can't. You have to rest. And it took a few days or so finally realising, like, no, I really do have to rest here. She was still in, obviously, a lot of pain, having to take constant painkillers, really strong painkillers as well to help ease with the pain. Constantly taking paracetamol and things as well in between the strong painkiller dosages just to manage it. Um, but if you've got a partner like me who's stubborn and a very much like, I want to do every, an attitude, you're going to struggle even more because they're going to argue. You're saying, let me do that. And you're like, no, you've, you've got to heal. Um, but what me and I found with Sophie's letting her feed the baby. Um, I say letting her say a child she can do what she wants but I mean like me passing the baby to her and then going and getting the bottle ready but she can still sit there and feed them that helped her because she still felt like she was doing something because obviously the first few weeks I had to I clean the house so I couldn't do that I had to do the washing that done her head in if you know Soph you know her pride and joy is washing she loves doing washing and it has to be her way I've tried to do the washing when she had the baby and I'd done it all wrong. I didn't hang it up in the right order. Try to be core coordinated, going from like trackies to t-shirts. It's all in a system. Uh, it's so hard to explain said system, but it's in a system. So it was doing her head in the right way and getting the system right. And I was really trying hard. I really was trying so, so hard to get the system right for her. But I just couldn't. It was just so confusing. I didn't fold towels up how she wanted them folded and, and things like that. But I, you have to do everything. Um, your first few weeks as as dad, if you've if you've had a, a C-section. Um, but in a way, I was happy. Because if we would have had a natural birth, so most definitely and she won't mind me saying it if she was here now she'd tell you the same she most definitely would have took control and being like I will, i'll do this i'll do that because that's just Soph's nature she likes to do everything um and that's not a bad thing really to be honest but so obviously i had to do like the first night feeds um because so sitting up took more time than it, your average person because obviously she was in pain so it was just easier for her to sleep me get up do the baby's bottle, feed the baby, settle them back down, go back to sleep. But obviously, when I was doing the night feed, that was the plan. But the first night feed, Soph woke up and just lied there watching me doing it, which was, she said it it was amazing for her to watch. Obviously, she weren't doing it, but seeing like me get up and do it, she was made up. I had no choice, but I, I liked that because now Soph has fully recovered. She insists on, on doing the night feeds. Like I've always said to her, I'm a deep sleeper. But I've always said, when the baby cries, just kick me and I'll wake up. Like, I will 100% wake up because Soph's kicks hurt. And she never does, bless her. She never, ever does. 
we have a system where I do the feeds till two in the morning, then I go to bed. Soph goes to bed at like nine at night, and then Soph does from two till like eight, nine in the morning, and then we're both awake then and we can alternate. And the system works very, very well. I'll talk about that in a minute, but the first night feeds were were amazing, doing them. My first night feeds were in the hospital, um, but doing the first night feeds at home was fantastic. It really was fantastic. It was just so rewarding knowing that we were at home. I could put them back in the next to me, get back in my own bed, weren't sleeping on a floor, and we were just completely comfortable. It was it was amazing. What wasn't amazing though, and it's grim because <laughs> if you have a natural birth, chances are your missus will probably do a lot of the first nappies. I didn't have that luxury, so I had to deal with the first poo explosion. And that is not nice. <laughs> it's grim. It's so grim. Poo explosion. So the first one, I, I could say, it sounded like he farted and then he just like smirked at me. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll go and check your nappy. And by the time I got from downstairs to upstairs, I, I could feel the back of his baby grow being a bit wet. I was like, what's this? And then as I undone the baby grow, there was just poo everywhere. And you sat there looking at, at such a tiny baby thinking, how have you produced such a smelly, massive poo? How's that possible? But it was everywhere. And that first poo explosion, honestly, the, the best thing I can say is if you do have a, a partner who has a C-section, you've got no choice but to deal with it. So it's over and done with. Whereas if you have a natural birth and your partner's doing it and telling you about it and you see them doing it and it stinks, it puts you off it because you're like, oh, they're grim, nah. But with Soph having a C-section, I had to do it. And every nappy since then has been a walk in the park because it's been like, oh, nothing's worse than that. Nothing is worse than that first poo explosion. Don't get me wrong, when we start weaning them onto food, apparently they do have really more smelly poos and really more poo explosions. Um, so I can't wait for them, honestly. But the first poo explosion, it took me back a bit. It took off 10 minutes to change this nappy because I was like, bore <laughs> the smell. And we have a Frenchie. Now, if you've got a Frenchie, you know it. Well, Frenchies, their ass stinks. That's how bad this smell was and how much poo it was. And I thought, eventually, the baby bites weren't working. Um, and I just had to go and get a bowl of water and dab them because obviously his cord was still on so I couldn't even just put him in the bath and clean him that way I had to just dab him with water because it was the, it felt like the baby wipes were just smearing it everywhere it was horrendous um, and Soph was downstairs and come down I was like and he had a poo because she didn't know what had gone on I was like a poo oh my god and it was just it, it was funny now I think back on it because she was so oblivious and I had to try and tell her what the poo explosion was like but she had one herself about two weeks ago Um and she knows the feeling that I went through that, that, I think it was the third day home that he had a really bad poo explosion. But, so we've both had one now. Yes, we're even, which is which is mad. Like, but it, the off, it, it's grim at the time, but it, it's it's funny when you think back of it that how much you panicked to that first poo explosion. Because no one can prepare you for it. Obviously, you hear other parents talk about the baby's first poo explosion, but you never know it's going to be as bad as it actually is. Um well, yeah, that was that was an experience, and then getting weed on as well. I had it all, me, because I had to do it all. I had, to, I had it all in the first few days, and foolishly, um, I just thought that when they weed, it just go down. So when I changed this nappy, I just took it, lift the nappy off, and you're getting a new one ready, and you think when they weed, it's just gonna go into the nappy that's under them. No, so I'm getting the nap of a nappy out the drawer, and I just feel like wet on me top, and I look down, and it's like a fountain 
going out, like coming out of him, going onto my top. And I was like, how can you wee that far? Like proper fountain got absolutely soaked head to toe in his wee. And then he's just sat there just like lying, looking at you. And you're like, I can't even be annoyed at you. You've just weed all over me. You had a poo explosion for me the day before. But you're so perfect. You can do whatever you want and you're going to get away with it. Like I'm just going to still sit there and stare at you and go, oh, it's okay. One of them, isn't it? You're a dad now. That, that's me life, getting pissed and shit on all the time. But oh, it was, now I think back, it, it was a funny few days. Um, I was to deal with it all. And Sophie's buzzing off me, like bouncing around, like, stressing out making bottles sterilizing bottles and doing everything and she just got to lie there it was quite funny um but i wouldn't have had her any other way i just wanted to make sure she was okay and the most comfortable and caring for her and caring for our son so for me it was probably one of the best i'd say for two weeks so f- before she eventually lost the plot and was like no i'm doing stuff now probably too soon really um but she's completely fine so everyone's body, everyone's body heals differently and thankfully Soph's body healed really well and really quick and she's doing fantastically. Um, some obviously sometimes if we go out and we're walking for ages, like shopping that night, she might be in a little bit of more pain than she was before she had the baby uh, and stuff. But she's healed really, really, really well. And lost all she's in. A, she's in the clothes she was in before she was pregnant already. The baby's only six weeks old and she had a C-section. The woman's a bloody. She's amazing. How she managed that, I don't know. Um, but she's got she's lost all the baby weight already. The jammy guess. I wish I could lose weight that quick. <laughs> but saying that, I did lose two stone after Leo was born, which I don't know how everyone says you put weight on when you become a dad. I don't know if it was a stress because they had to do everything and the stress of making sure Sophie's okay, baby's okay, they're all fed, the like the clean, doing the dog as well, walking the dog, feeding the dog, everything was on me. I don't know if that that whole stress of all that made me lose weight, but um I probably put it all back on now, so well because I haven't got to do it all. Like we split it, so I'm probably a fat guess again, to be honest. But one of them in it. Um, but one thing we did find in the first few weeks was that no clothes fitted them. We were stupid enough, really, when we were buying clothes. Uh, and this is the best bit of advice I can give people: don't feel like you've got too much newborn. The sizes of naught to three, Leo isn't even in them yet. And he's seven weeks old, six weeks old, nearly seven weeks old. Um, and he's still not in naught to three. So he's still a newborn. And we foolishly didn't buy much newborn because we thought, well, he'd be in naught to three because that's from naught to three months. Newborn must only be the first few weeks when they first come out because obviously they do put weight on quite frequently. Nah, newborn lasts ages. And... It was my mum who said to me, usually newborns, like, like, no to three. Most babies don't fit in that till they're, like, seven, eight weeks old, so nearly two months old before they'll start fitting in the no to threes. But when we were buying clothes for Leo before he was born, we bought so much no to three and hardly any newborn. So we've had to go out and buy loads, like, baby grows and stuff in newborn just so we had an, a different change of clothes because they go through, like, three, four outfits a day and we had, like, eight newborn so the first few days we were washing machine was just constantly on getting them back washed and dried to to put back on them um so that's the best advice i can give you don't feel like you've got too much newborn it's probably better to have too much and if your baby does grow faster or you're a big baby you can just sell them on things like vinted and then not have enough and have the stress of having to go and buy clothes while your baby's a few days old just so he's got a few outfits to change into and stuff so 
definitely get more newborn than you'd probably expect because they do last in that a lot longer than they probably last in naught to three for example because once he fits into naught to three apparently they then go into three to six within like a blink of an eye so i'll let you know when that happens to us how long he was in naught to three but at the minute he is six weeks old and still in newborn clothes and naught to three is swimming on him which i'm gutted about because i bought loads of liverpool stuff in naught to three that he's still yet to wear which was it done me head. I had to go and buy a newborn um, Liverpool baby grow because when the match was on it was doing me head and he weren't wearing a Liverpool baby grow so I had to go and get one of them for him to watch the match in it's a, re- like a copy like the old 1994 kit that's the year I was born so it makes me dead happy that his first little Liverpool baby grow is also the same design as the very first football kit that I had I think that that's quite wholesome really Um and he does like love the match. I'm not just saying that either. He loves watching the footy. Leo, he, he, it's the colours. So if you if your partner does say suggest them watching the match, and you're sat there thinking, oh, behave. They can't even watch the match. It's the it's the the movement of the telly and the images and stuff. Babies do enjoy that. It's like sense systems to see things moving around the screen, and obviously the players are running around. The camera angles change, and so much happens in a game of football. Leo's engrossed in it. He watches all the match. To be honest, he doesn't know what's going on. But he likes the movements and what's going on and, and stuff like that. So I'd recommend letting your babies watch the footy, honestly, because our baby loves it. And that's not just because I'm a, a, literally a football-obsessed dad. I mean, I do watch every match, but I don't sit and watch other people's matches. I only watch the team I support, which is Liverpool. And I might watch match of the day as well. But by the time match of the day is on, he's usually asleep. So he does watch the Liverpool matches. When I go the match, I go the home matches. He doesn't watch them because Soph can't stand it. He watches probably Desperate Housewives or something. <laughs> um, but when I'm at home and for the away games, he does watch um, the Liverpool matches and he, he does really enjoy it. I just can't wait to take him now. That, that's the one thing I can't wait for. Um, and what else was on the first few weeks? The milk struggle. Um, now, this doesn't apply to everyone because obviously everyone feeds the baby whatever they want to feed the baby. Um me and Sophie decided to feed Leo Kendermill, which is probably one of the most in-demand milks you can get. It's so hard to the point that you've just got to order the milk online. Um, Leo's going through about a tin a week. So you've got to constantly have it stocked up. You don't want... Because if you ever had... With most milks, where if you ran out, say, for example, you, you forgot you ran out at like 11 o'clock at night, you can shoot to like a garage and pick up like your Aptamils or your SMAs and stuff like that. Kendamil, you can't. There's only a few places you can get it. And when it touches the shelves, it's off the shelves within seconds, which to me is a good thing because it shows how many people are using it. Um, We looked into milk and towards Kendamil was just the best one. Um. I'm not going to sit here and push everyone to use Kendermill and say I believe Kendermill is the best because of this, this, this and this because you should do your own research. Not every baby takes to it. You could try them with Kendermill and they don't take to it and you've got to go on another milk. You could try them on another milk. They don't take to it and you go to Kendermill. Every baby's different. Um, Leo took to Kendermill from the minute he was in the hospital because we had the ready-made bottles there. Took to it straight away. When we came home and he went on the powder, took to that straight away and hasn't looked back really i myself believe it's probably the best milk um and i think the stock levels show that the quick as soon as it's on the shelf it's gone shows how many people are using it it's actually the cheapest milk as well considering as well it's probably the best milk it's the cheapest it's only 12 pound a tin 
and other milks like 18 pound a tin um but for me when i looked into it it had the best benefits it had the best ingredients in my opinion um and we've we, a lot of my friends used it as well with their children and and said how good they thought it was so that's why we used Kendermill. um it's a struggle to get it my best advice if you are planning on feeding Kendermill is use boots you can go online and order it directly to your store you could order like four and that'd probably last about four weeks then every four weeks you just order them online directly to your closest store you go in pick it up i haven't got to get it off the shelf it's there you've got it in stocked in bulk and and just go on with, with, with it that way i wouldn't ever leave it to like have a non-available before you went and get some because it is hard to get i'd always say the minute you open it your last tin order more so when we open our last tin in the cupboard we'll then go and get more like two or three tins um we've now got a little system i'm not giving away my tactics though because if you're listening to this podcast and you're local you're gonna go and rob me stores where i get it from where there is a bit of a supply <clears throat> um it's the boot in prescott <laughs> but we do go and get when we open the last tin we do go and get uh two or three more tins just so we've got it in the cupboard but every time we open the last tin we go and get more so that we know we never ever run out we haven't got that panic at like 11 o'clock at night of oh my god we've only got enough for one bottle because you're not going to get Kendermill in garages just that easily. It's so, so hard to get it. Kendermill do actually do a subscription service. I was looking into this yesterday um, where you can choose an amount of, of tins you want and they deliver them to your door. And it's not, not any more expensive. It's the same price. And you can get it delivered monthly um, or weekly or whatever schedule you want it on from Kendermill direct to your door. So that's something I might look at. And just so you know, it comes that I use Amazon subscribe and save for stuff for the dog. And I always forget, like as dental toothbrushes, I'd forget if we didn't have it, they just turn up every single month. Money comes out your bank and they turn up. And it's fantastic. It's lazy, but it's fantastic. So I might just do that with the Kendermill. We haven't decided that yet, so I'll let you know in next week's episode if that's something that we've done. Um, And prep machines, I want to speak about them when we're on the subject of milk. I would hazard a guess that 99% of new parents' arguments around bottles and who's making the bottle at three in the morning four in the morning five in the morning going downstairs boiling the kettle doing the bottle cooling it down feeding the baby nightmare there's a fantastic fantastic invention by tommy tippy called a prep machine it's a lifesaver honest to god if you're expecting a child if you've got a child and you're not using one it's single-handedly the best thing you can buy for a baby, in my opinion, in the world. There's nothing better baby gadget than a prep machine. We literally put the bottle under it. You fill it up with water. You put the bottle under it and you click go. And it fills it with an ounce, I think. We're on five ounce bottles at the minute, so it's an ounce of hot water. You then put your five scoops of powder in, mix it up so it's all dissolved, put it back under the prep machine, click go again, and... Every single bottle is perfect temperature for the baby. Everyone. Like, you can literally give it to them instantly. Now, you may think, oh, I'll just make one with a kettle and cool it down. That's not that much stress. I promise you now at four or five in the morning, you don't want to be standing around cooling bottles down. You just want to click go and it'll work. And that's what the prep machine does. 
me and Soph have never, ever, ever had a dispute about who makes a bottle because whoever makes it, it takes literally 30 seconds and the bottle's ready. And then within 30 seconds, the baby waking up and crying, it's in his mouth feeding them. It's just so streamlined, so efficient. It's the best thing we've bought for the baby. And I can't stress it enough to any new parents, go and get a prep machine. It'll save your relationship. Because we've spoke to so many people who haven't used them. It's like, oh yeah, we still always argue what's you've done the bottles. Why? Go and get a prep machine. Click go and it's done. Best thing you can buy, honestly. Go and get one. I can't, I'm not even sponsored by Tommy Tippy. If they want to sponsor me, I'll sing your praises for nothing, to be honest. They are an amazing company and nine out of ten things that they make. I say nine out of ten don't want to, I haven't tried everything, but everything that we have tried so far, apart from one finger bottle warmer, has been fantastic. So but the prep machine for me is the number one essential baby gadget that you need just to make your life easier. Like a hundred million percent get a prep machine. I stress it, get one. The warmer that comes with it, however, load of shite, don't use that. I can't see the logic behind it, using the warmer comes with it because it needs to be plugged in. So <clears throat> for example, if I was going to go around to my mum's, I'd have to take that bottle warmer around and plug it in to warm the bottle up to the right temperatures, then give it to Leo. The prep machine's tiny. You might as well just take the prep machine. It's not much bigger than the bottle warmer. Take the prep machine and make the bottle fresh rather than making it and then having to re-warm re it up to then give them it. You might as well just give them a fresh bottle. Like, I can't understand the logic. Maybe that's why they give it away free. With I think it comes with the prep machine or with the sterilizer. Um, maybe that is why it comes free because it, it's the most pointless thing in the world. We used it once and it's been in the cupboard since and it'll never get used again. It's stupid. If we're going anywhere that we know we've got access to electricity, like, you might as well take the pet machine. It's tiny. Like You can literally just put it in, into the baby's bag, the pram bag, and get it out, fill it up with water and make a fresh bottle. It makes no sense to carry a plug-in bottle warm around, would you? Um, but what does make sense to carry around with you is a brand called Nubby bottle warmers unbelievable you get a hot flask and a cold flask you pour your kettle water into the flask so it's, you have a flask of boiling hot water and that stays warm then you get a cooling flask that you can use every three hours and um, because obviously when you put hot water in it has the technology to cool it down you can't just keep cooling things down so it lasts um three hours then you've got to get it you can do another one and that's amazing. Uh, there is a clip that's going to be on my TikTok this week, how to use that. Uh, my friend Tom told me about it, and it's the best single-handed thing we've bought for on the go. So we just fill the flask with hot water. When we're out, we pour <clears throat> the hot water flask into the bottle to the amount of ounces that we need. So we fill it to five ounces. We then pour it into the white one, which is the cooler. Add the five scoops of powder, but we have a, a little travel powder thing with like three powders in so we just open it and tip it in we've already measured the powder up before we leave the house again that's another good gadget i'd buy but you, you usually do get with your bottles like little powder holders so if you've got them with you you don't need to go and buy a free one we're just lazy and don't want loads of stuff and uh, you pour the powder in screw the lid on shake it and then turn it upside down and when the lights go green it means the bottle's perfect temperature you pour it into the bottle feed it to the baby it's basically like a prep machine but portable so if you haven't got power if you're on a day out and you can't just plug in somewhere, you take this and we've used it once or twice and it's been it's been amazing. But we did only buy it this week after my mate told me about it because um, I seen him using it. I was like, what's that? And he, I seen it. I was like, that's amazing. And bought it. Um, 
they are a bit expensive, about fifty pound. But if you're gonna be going out loads and you're not sitting in your house all day every day, it's worth the fifty pound in my opinion. I'll do a video on the TikTok, like I said. Link is in the description of, of, of wherever you listen to this podcast for me, TikTok, on how to use it and my views on it more in depth. That'll be over on the TikTok. So do go and follow us on there to see how it's used and what it is, basically. Because honest to God, since we've bought that meat, we already know now there's no stress about going on days out. Well, is the bottle warm enough? We can go anywhere. We without power for up to three, four feeds. That's how, how many we can get out of it at the minute because he's on five ounces and it'll be fine we, we could go out for 12 hours and know that his bottles are completely fine and they're completely the right temperature we haven't got the the fat for trying to warm it up or going and getting hot water from somewhere and having to go through a tap and run cold water on it to cool it down it's just instant break the prep machine so nubby bottle maker tommy tippy prep machine two essential items if you're having a child in my opinion uh, and also the sterilizer, I think that's just common knowledge. You get a sterilizer, people will just boil hot water over the bottles and stuff and let them dry and do it that way. I think the sterilizer is a fantastic option. You put all your bottles in there with a nice click go. It takes five minutes to all sterile, put dummies and everything in it, and you know that it's completely 100% sterile for your baby. We do have a nice, so by the time we come down in the morning, we've got a fresh batch of bottles all ready to go for the day, all sterile ready just take one out when we use it fill it up and then we're on our way we don't need to sit constantly washing bottles we have enough bottles to last us from morning until night we sterilize some in the afternoon to take up in the evening and then we do a big sterilize at the end of the day which then sterilizes the bottles for the next day because you can get six bottles in the tommy tippy sterilizers and that lasts you for the day so halfway through your day you probably sterilize another six just so you've got enough to last you through the night but it does feel like you are constantly sterilizing but it, it's an essential thing to do for a child, making sure that everything's sterile, everything's safe before you're giving it to the mouth. So at least that way you know it's done. You haven't got the stress of, have I washed it enough? Have I poured enough hot water on that? Have I cleaned it enough? You clean the bottle, you put it in the steriliser, and you know 110% it's sterile. So for me, the best free gadgets, number one has to be the prep machine slash bottle warmer for when you're on the go. And number two has to be the steriliser, just because you know 100% fact that is sterile it's ready to go and everything else is a breeze <laughs> i say um but no honestly they are them them free items do really really help you um with parenting to be honest with you it removes any stress of bottle temperatures sterile and stuff like that it just makes things it makes things easy to be honest and that's the best the best thing i could i could say we've got a few other gadgets that i'll speak about in the next podcast like that's what we use for tummy time because leo's only just starting tummy time now he's six weeks old he's only just starting to use the mamas and papas things we bought like the play gym um, and like this circle thing for tummy time so i don't really want to sit here and tell you at the minute i think they're fantastic but i don't want to sit and tell everyone they're amazing you should go and get them and then by next week's podcast comes out I thought they were crap. So I'd rather just give it another week, see how they are, then I'll let you know my findings in a week on whether the Mamas and Papas uh, activity bundle you can get with the circle thing for tummy time, the little chair, and the play gym is worth the money because it's quite expensive. Um, but I'll let you know it's worth the money and how much use we get out of it in next week's episode. Uh, and the only other thing that really happened in Leo's first few weeks of life was his photo shoot day. Um, 
<laughs> that was an experience. So I always see pictures like my mates' kids, people's kids on Facebook, getting them professional photo shoots, and the babies always look so content. They just lie in there. I've always thought, how do they get the babies to be so good for like a full photo shoot with a flash constantly in their eyes? And I still ask that question. So if you are a parent and your baby was good as gold in the photo shoot, tell me how, because <laughs> Leo was a pain in the ass on that photo shoot. Um, we were so excited for it. It's something that we wanted to do. Now, I must stress that it's very, very, very expensive to get the photos at the end of it. You will be probably offered by most people a free photo shoot. So we got offered a free photo shoot and a £100 voucher when we purchased our pram from the baby store in Warrington, um, which, by the way, if you're local to my area of Merseyside, Warrington Way, whatever, go to the baby store for your pram. There's literally every pram you can think of in the market sold there. You can try them all, see different sizes, get advice of people who sell prams on a daily, which one's best, which one you did avoid and stuff like that. Um, so that was really, really good to get it. But we got this voucher um, for Bartley Studios. Now, I couldn't praise them enough. They were absolutely fantastic, Bartley, on the photo shoot. But I just want to put a pre-disclaimer before I talk about it. When you get the photos, even if you've got a £100 off voucher, it's extremely expensive for photos. Extremely expensive. But mine and Soph's thinking was, he's only this small once. So we definitely want to get the photos. We went to the photo shoot anyway. Obviously, that was free. We were very excited. Leo, for the first half hour, was fantastic. He was asleep. We could move around, get the photos that the photographer wanted, what we wanted, photos with me and Soph. Fantastic. Then I had to be awkward, and I wanted photos of Leo in a Liverpool kit. Because I thought, well, we're going to be paying a lot of money for these photos. I'd really like him to get professional photos in a Liverpool kit. My thinking is, in 18 years' time, when he walks out at Anfield, which he will. I tell you he will. <laughs> I hope he will. Um, when he plays for Liverpool, if, if that does happen, I think it'll be boss that when he signs his first contract, that you can have a picture of him literally two weeks old in a Liverpool kit to then play him for Liverpool. That'd be, I think it's every dad's dream for the son to play for the team they support. So I'm no different to any other dad there, really. But I just thought it'd be cute. I am obsessed with Liverpool and wanted a picture of him in a Liverpool kit on my wall, pretty much. And so we took the outfit. <clears throat> they recommended you took two outfits anyway. So it's not like I was being awkward getting changing his outfit. They recommend you get two outfits so you can get a variety of different pictures, different angles, different outfits. Me and Soph had to take two outfits ourselves. Um, so yeah, we changed Mr. Liverpool kit and then he decided to screen the studio down for the rest of the photo shoot, which was very stressful because you're trying to get these photos. Um, but the photographer in Bartley Studios was where we went in Warrington. I, honest to God, couldn't recommend them enough. The photographer was fantastic with us. She understood that Leo's the baby. So when he was crying, we had a brilliant tactic. So what we done was, when he was crying, we put his dummy in his mouth for about 30 seconds while he, he settled down, calmed down, pulled the dummy out, get a few photos. Before he starts crying again, dummy back in. Move him to his next position. Dummy out, few photos, dummy back in. Worked an absolute charm. We got all the photos we wanted. They're the most amazing photos in the world. 
if you know me and Soph, you've seen the photos and you'll agree they're absolutely fantastic. Um, couldn't recommend Bartley enough for the whole experience of that photo shoot. The, the lady was unbelievable. Made us feel so comfortable, so at ease. Nothing was too much for her. When me and Sophie went and changed our outfits and stuff, she was showing us little previews of the pictures. And if Sophie was saying, oh, I don't like that one, can we take that one again? It was never too much. They'd done it. We were there for about an hour and a half getting the photo shoot. And the whole experience, I wouldn't say, I'd say stressful in a sense of that Leo was really unsettled because he didn't like the flash. Um, but I'd say it was amazing in the sense of the photos at the end. You'd never have thought that he was a pain in the ass that day. They're so adorable. And I'm not just saying it because I'm biased because he's my son. The photos are amazing. The work they do on them is amazing. Everything about it from start to end is absolutely fantastic. I honestly, hand on heart, can't recommend Bartley Studios enough in Warrington. Really couldn't. The, everything about them is fantastic. We actually went and got the photos today at the time of recording. Yes, this podcast comes out on Friday at 6 p.m. So it was last yesterday afternoon, Thursday, we went and picked them up. And they're amazing. They're really amazing. You, you may sit and think, I'll just pay and get them on USB and print them myself. We got that as well. Just we've got them. If like other people want pictures of the baby printing off, we can just go and print them. Um, we, we did get that as well. But the actual photos that we got and that Soph's mum got, we got Soph's mum got a collection. It's massive. It's amazing. We got like a, um, a two little ones and a big one printed on it. It's printed onto like a, it looks like it's printed onto like wood. So it makes it look like a portrait. Um, pretty much like it's, it's been painted. That's what it looks like, but it's still a real photo. It, it hasn't got that artistic effect of a painting, but it's on like a piece of wood in a frame. The quality of them, like, honest to God, some of the best quality photos I've seen ever. And I studied a lot of like media, photography, television, radio, cameras for university in my degree. So I know what I'm talking about in this aspect. They are incredible. They aren't just printed on a piece of photo paper and put in a frame and sold to you. The quality and the care that goes into them pictures when we picked them up today, I was blown away. And I'll be honest, leading up to collecting the photos, I was saying to Soph, I honestly think that these are just going to be photos in a in a frame and I could have made them myself. We've, we've spent a lot of money here and they're just going to be something I could have done. I am telling you now, I don't think that. If you go to a proper studio, if you're not local to me and you go somewhere local to you and they offer you like collections or frames where they're printed, I promise you now, it'll be the best decision you make. The money you spend, in my opinion, is worth it. I'm not going to disclose the fee because uh, everyone's different. Everyone will get different variety of things. Uh, me and Soph went for stuff that we like, so we may have spent more than what the next person may spend. You can just get them digitally if you want to print them yourself. Everyone's fee would be different depending on what you want. So I'm not going to disclose the fee that we paid. I will say it was expensive, but I will say it was worth every penny, in my opinion. Um, when you see them, they blow you away. And it's the best thing we've done. And at the end of the day... Your, your baby's only a baby for such a short period of time to have these photos on our wall have them digitally as well forever and be able to always look back to when leo was like two three weeks old at them pictures we've got them for the rest of our lives so i don't think you can put a price on 
on that, in my opinion. And that was our thinking behind getting the photo shoot done and spending the money that, that got spent on them um, to get them. So I would strongly recommend a photo shoot to everyone. Don't let the price put you off um, because you will be made up when you collect said photos. When you get the digital version of the photos, you'll be buzzing that you've got them photos forever. And especially with those this close to Christmas, part of everyone's Christmas present, like our mums and that, they've all got like a nice little picture of Leo in a frame uh, that we can give them, which we would have given them anyway, but you might as well just wrap it up and put it as part of the Christmas gifts that they get and say, oh, this is your first present off Leo. Um, at the end of the day, they cost a lot of money. It's not like we're cheaping out, but um, yeah, I think it's amazing. And you can obviously, you've got them for like putting them like, on your, your Facebook and stuff, sharing them with people you haven't seen for a while. Like I've got a lot of family in Canada who I was, when I put the photos from his photo shoot on, on Facebook, they was able to see them and see like all different shots of them, shots of me and Soph holding them. I couldn't recommend a photo shoot for your baby enough, to be honest with you. In my opinion, it's one of the best things we've done. Um, looking at the photos, you just can't help but smile at every single one. And you get to get photos, like there's photos, me and Soph got one printed for the living room of me and Soph holding them together. He's got like a little wrap wrap around his nappy. Um, and we're both looking at him, it's in black and white, and it's amazing, because he's like, you can just see his little hands, little toes, little face, and then me and Soph looking at him. It's a really, really nice family shot, uh, and it's one of the best things we've done, so I, I would definitely, definitely recommend that. For me, Bartley was fantastic, because when we went to um, see the pictures and purchase the pictures, you get put in like a private room, looked after really well like off the hot drinks cold drinks soft drinks whatever you want they put the pictures on a big massive cinema screen nice comfy seating and they just play the the images on a film that they've made for you and then that's where you can then decide like if you want to buy them and if you do want to buy them if you want them digitally if you want them in collections you want them in like canvases if you want them in like wooden type printings that me and Soph got there's so many options but you can then you're getting that experience of, of viewing the pictures for the first time rather than just them being sent to you and going, Well, if you want them, here's our price list to our and I feel like Bartley really looked after us. Even today, when we went and picked them up, they were like they were like obviously checking them with us and they were like, Oh, and just you can see they genuinely cared that they had made such a quality product and they cared about our opinion on them as well. So for me, if you're in the Liverpool, Merseyside, Cheshire area. I can't recommend Bartley Studios and Warrington High Street enough. It's I would never have heard of it. We didn't get a voucher at the pram, but I honestly can't recommend it enough. It's one of the best experiences I've genuinely had in my life. And obviously it was with my child and with Soph, which was even better. But just the whole start to finish process of them photos was amazing. And I couldn't recommend it enough, like genuinely. And that brings us up to present day, really, because we got the photos yesterday, so... Yeah, you've heard of the first six weeks across three episodes of Leo's life. Um, present day, Soph's doing fantastic, absolutely fantastic, like I mentioned before. Lost all the baby weight that Jamie gets. Um, wish I could lose weight like that. She's doing really well. She feels good about herself because she's now putting like, clothes on that she wore before she was pregnant, which is obviously every girl's worry will fit back into my clothes. Soph's thankfully fitting back into them, which is making her feel really good about herself which is nice to see, uh, getting her confidence back and stuff. Um, I just love her so much, and seeing her happy makes me happy, and that's, seeing her getting into clothes that she used to wear has really, really made her happy, and 
that just fills my heart with joy that she's she's happy. Leo's doing really, really well, really well. So excited for the future with him. Can't wait for Christmas on Monday, our first Christmas together. First Christmas as a family. We're going to Soph's mum's this year for Christmas, so I'm really looking forward to that. Spending time with like Soph and Leo and Leo's nan and granddad, me, me mother and father-in-law and me brother-in-law and Soph's nan's coming as well, so we'll get to spend the Christmas with his great nan, which is just, it's amazing. I'm, I'm so excited for Christmas. Christmas is one of my favourite times of years and with losing my nan last year before Christmas, I started to resent it a bit because it was my nan's favourite time of year and that rubbed off on me. And I was dreading last Christmas and then this Christmas, it, I, I feel like the magic's back for me. Like now we've got Leo. I know he's only so young, um, but it's just, it's amazing. I can't wait for Christmas. I really, really, really can't wait for Christmas. And it's just a few days away, our first one. Um, and then next year, we've got so many plans for Leo. And I can't wait to take this podcast on the journey with me, really, of everything that we do with him. All our plans. Um, his first holiday, obviously, we'll be talking about that on the podcast next year. And he's got a, he's got a wedding next year um, that we're going to be attending. He's going to be a page boy soon for my brother's wedding. I've just got loads to look forward to. Me and Sophie have got our first baby-free holiday in April. Uh, Leo's staying in. His nan and granddad's, well, both nan and granddad's while we're away, we're only going for four days. So, got loads to talk about next year, loads to look forward to. Um, there will be an episode next week, though, talking about Leo's first Christmas. We never stop, even if it's a Christmas period, we're still going to get the podcast out there for you. So, there is a podcast next Friday at 6 pm, as always, uh, Friday at 6 pm, where we'll be talking about his first Christmas and our dreaded story of his birth certificate. There's always a bloody negative. Every podcast for, for about Leo and our life, there's always a bloody negative. But the birth certificate, not that it's a negative, it's just been an absolute nightmare to obtain. You'd think you just go in and register him. But if you're born out of the district you live in, oh, no, no, it is an absolute nightmare to obtain that birth certificate. And obviously you need the birth certificate to like get your child benefit, to get a passport. There's so much things you need that birth certificate for that we're still unable to do because we still haven't got his birth certificate and he is nearly seven weeks old. So we'll talk about that next week because hopefully by next week it might have came. If it hasn't came, we'll be ranting. If it has came, we'll still be ranting because I'm so annoyed that you're not told information about it. I don't want to spoil too much, but you're not told information on what to do correctly. So then when you do it and you're just hit with delay after delay after delay, when you could have just been proactive and went somewhere else, got the birth certificate there and then, it annoyed me a little bit. But we will leave it there for today. I've been rambling on for about an hour and 20 minutes. Um, just want to say thank you to everyone again who listens and supports the podcast, shares the podcast, likes the podcast. It means the absolute world to us. Episode three, obviously today, we're going to continue every single week, Friday at 6 p.m., but we are more up to present day now. It feels like the last two episodes have been playing catch up on because we started the podcast when Leo was like a month old. So I've had to like get a month's worth of content since in the first few episodes. But from next week, we'll be talking about Leo's first Christmas. We'll be talking about how that went, presents and stuff he got. Is it really worth buying a brand newborn many presents? My opinions on that. Um, so I was birth certificate and... Obviously, looking ahead to the new year, our plans, and also anything else I've learned in between that. So, yeah, do tune in next Friday, 6 p.m. for that. And like I said, in the meantime, 
check wherever you're listening to this podcast the, the links to all of our socials are in the description whether it be on youtube spotify google podcast apple podcast amazon music deezer wherever you're listening to this there will be a link to all of our socials in the description so please do go over and follow us on instagram on tiktok like i said we're going to be posting clips of things i've learned on tiktok as well that's not in the podcast so the tiktok will have exclusive content on it um, where I'll be doing like videos about like how to use the the nubby bottle maker, for example, how good a prep machine is, and video instructions on how to use it, and just little stuff like that, and like little days out we go on. All that exclusive content will be over on our TikTok because I feel like I do need to give TikTok a bit of exclusive content as well as the podcast because obviously TikTok has things that the podcast doesn't, and the podcast has things that TikTok doesn't. But we genuinely have got to really thrive and grow and audience over on tiktok so i do want to give them some little exclusive clips of where it's just me saying like oh yeah it's me massey we're doing this today um and because i think it'll do really well so do follow us on tiktok like i said all the links are in the description i've been massey these are my tales of a first time dad and i'll see you next week friday 6 p.m for the christmas episode i can't wait thank you for listening